Welcome to the official Ronnie Landis Podcast Show, where you learn to upgrade the human experience through natural nutrition, lifestyle design, and consciousness engineering. This is no ordinary health or personal growth podcast, and Ronnie Landis is definitely no ordinary host. Ronnie Landis is an integrative nutritionist, transformation coach, and human behavioral specialist. He brings on some of the world's leading thought leaders to deliver to you the most cutting-edge information and unique perspectives so you can create the life of your dreams. Get ready to receive your upgrade in all you believed was possible, starting now. Aloha, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show. And as always, I am your host, Ronnie Landis. I am also the founder of the Holistic Health Mastery Program. This is my online holistic nutrition certification course, which is designed to take a student from the basics of natural nutrition all the way to the most cutting-edge areas of integrative health and lifestyle transformation. This program is really unlike anything else that's ever been available on the internet featuring a comprehensive 70-video lesson curriculum, 55 bonus videos, a student community support group, and a monthly live video training with me personally, which is like doing a coaching session with me and hundreds of students from all over the world each and every month. This program has received incredible reviews and feedback from students of all backgrounds and all educational levels, such as the budding health experts and professionals to longtime holistic wellness enthusiasts, all the way to the complete beginner. There seems to be a lot here to offer to virtually everyone who has a keen interest in learning how to optimize their body, mind, and spirit through redesigning what they believe is possible, not only for their health, but ultimately for their life and the lives of those around them. And one more thing that sets this course apart from all others is that once you enroll, there are no hidden fees, no limitations on the content that you can access up front, and no time restrictions. This means that once you purchase the program, it is yours period. End of story. There's no six or 12 month time limitations with a continuation fee waiting for you at the end. This is a go at your own pace course that you can continue to access as a lifelong resource that will prove to be an investment into your education, into your health and into your personal growth that will bear fruit for years to come. So you can find more information and enroll into the Holistic Health Mastery Program at www.holistichealthmastery.com. Let's dive into today's show. Um, I'm really excited about today's show because I finally got to get on I got my friend who happens to be one of the world's most famous, well-known raw food educators slash yoga instructors and just really role models out there in the natural health world, Rainbow Mars. And Rainbow is an incredible, incredible woman, incredible human being with an incredible message. And I was sitting here listening to the interview And I realized that I bet there is no other conversation or recorded interview with Rainbow quite like this one. And that tends to happen with me on these podcasts. I tend to go in alternative directions to what has been previously done with all my guests because I want to dig into some unique and novel territory and really pull out some gems of wisdom and perspective and that we we definitely did that in the today's today's interview um where do I start I mean we went through a number of really interesting directions and rabbit holes I went to Egypt with Reverend Michael Beckwith for two weeks a few months ago and about probably like five months ago from the time you're listening to this right now. And a couple weeks after that, she went to Egypt on her own journey. So we both got to talk about our Egyptian experience, which was quite interesting. She also dropped some knowledge bombs on some very interesting kind of like hidden knowledge 
secret mystic secrets of like breath work and yogic knowledge of training the mind and, and really calibrating and conditioning the nervous system for, for I guess, like releasing trauma or anxiety or rushed energy in the body. And she went and she brought me through this whole exercise. And a lot of interesting things just came up throughout the conversation and just a really powerful, authentic, vulnerable and exploratory interview between me and Rainbow. And one of the great things that I'm remembering that she said towards the end was that if you want to know your past, look at your face. If you want to know your future, look at your thoughts. And I thought, wow, what an incredible statement. How true. Your past will show up on the facial recognition, um, what's going on in your face. And then your thoughts are actually creating the future expectations of what you are possibly going to experience in your future. Powerful statement for all of us to, to meditate on and take action to medicate or mediate possible damage that we've done either from our past or we are inflicting upon ourselves in the future, right? And so what an incredible conversation. You're going to get so much out of this. So without further ado, here is Rainbow Mars. Ever since her birth in a teepee under a double rainbow, Rainbow Mars has helped inspire others on her journey to a greener, healthier way of life. The renowned yogi and former face of Adidas has sold more than 2 million yoga DVDs. Her book, The 21 Days Superstar Cleanse, outlines her signature zero-calorie restriction vegan cleanse, taking readers on an adventure of food, fun, fitness, and personal awakening. Featuring more than 75 recipes, positive affirmations, yoga poses, and a forward by Woody Harrelson, the tome has already been endorsed by celebrities including Jose Moran and James Cameron. Now, the new ebook features dozens of bonus recipes from some of her most inspiring friends and mentors. Mars has also previously shared her unique insights on top-tier press outlets, including Good Morning America, E! News, and many, many more. And I'm sure we're going to dive into all that. So it is my honor, privilege, and excitement to bring on Rainbow Mars. Woohoo! Hi. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like it's 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 time. You know, I've been looking forward to this for a while, and you've been on my radar for quite some time. I mean, you can't really be in this industry, especially me being like in the raw food world for almost ten years, not knowing who Rainbow Mars is, and even your mother Bridget Mars, and just like the incredible lineage that you've, uh, you know, in this industry that you've really helped to pioneer in many ways. So I'm just super stoked to have you on. And I know the audience is going to get so much out of this conversation. I hope so. And may I serve that and money much, much more. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So I have a unique way to open this up with you because I know that you just came back from Egypt. Mm-hmm. And it's a great synchronicity because I recently just came back from a two-week trip in Egypt with Michael Beckwith, my dear brother, Keith Mitchell, um, Brandy Vale, and some other just incredible human beings. And that was my first time ever going to Egypt in wow, oh, wow, oh, wow, what a transformative <laughs> experience of the highest order. And so... Most people haven't been to Egypt, but I noticed like when I started talking about my experience, I could see people lighting up like some kind of ancestral imprint in people's eyes when they heard about it. And they, they I could see them starting to dream about going to Egypt and, and, you know, what that might mean to their own transformational experience. Could you please just share with us as we open this up what your experience in Egypt was? Um, you couldn't have asked a more... Uh, a funnier and more interesting question because when I've told my story about of the profundity that that has changed in my life since going there my husband's like honey you might not want to tell people that you know because it's it's a lot 
if I share with you the truth, which it's really hard for me not to, um, it, 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 it might blow your mind just a little bit. So, but I'm happy to go there. Um, so it was really interesting because, you know, fear is an ego, but I was, you know, I, there was a group of people going 90, including my teacher, Juan, the founder of Inkari. And I thought, I'm looking into tickets and obviously the rabbi, everyone says, oh, not a good time to go. And I kind of was on the fence and I ran into this woman who was sort of like a Yoda type of person, very synchronistically while meeting with a movie producer. And he, she was like, are you going on a trip? Are you going to be in the pyramid soon? You're going to remember who you are. And she, you know, she starts basically crying and she goes, there's, uh, there's like 30 beings in this room who are waiting for you to remember who you are. And you're next to a priest and she goes, whoa, your daughter is somebody very special. She's going to have a much, much bigger following than you. Wow. Like four times. And, um, you're totally, you're totally protected. And so I was like, I guess I'm going, you know, it was, it was, it was intriguing and interesting enough that I booked the tickets and decided to go and, in the series of before I went there, I had a lot of resistance and a lot of rebellion. I was afraid that I wouldn't ever be the same. And so I definitely drank some more mescal and kind of just fell asleep more. Like I just knew that I felt like I, I wouldn't be able to fall for some reason after Egypt. And, um, which, you know, we all have ego and we all have the bean and I've, I'm always, I can explain more about that later, but let me get to the point. It was just like, I was had a lot of fear. And, but I went anyway, because we're there, I always, I have a lot of courage, but wherever there's courage, there's this other voice that wants to sabotage us from our total mm. evolution, our, mm. our sort of awakening. <laughs> so I, I started doing breath work with my teacher. It started in Hawaii actually. And I was seeing very vividly, I was seeing myself studying in this, um, chamber chakras and being kind of connected to this, this instrument of, enlightenment, if you call it, like something to bring light up my my spine. And then I had this very vivid, vivid um, sight that there was a big blockage behind my heart. And it was basically like this ego of adultery. And I became aware that in another life, and I haven't had anything vivid this so vivid happen like this before. So please don't think I'm always talking about all these past lives, but it was very vivid that I had fallen from adultery and that I was, it was something that I had done in many lifetimes. And, um, yeah, it was kind of painful. And, and when I went to Egypt, we were in the pyramids and I did breath work again. And it was, it was like watching a movie. It's like, I saw my husband with this headdress and I saw myself being dragged through this hall with like handcuffs and I, or something, just ropes around my wrists and mm. um, just such pain. I saw this man that I had, you know, been intimate with and then like trying to kill myself. <laughs> very, but in essence, then we did this, you know, this meditation. In essence, they kept, I kept hearing this voice like, you remember who you are, remember who you are. You are Hari, 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 all night long. And I was asking Juan, I was like, I see this this ego of this adulterer ego in me and the adulterer ego loves to drink and loves to smoke and loves to sort of find little crevices in my mind where I get to just fall asleep for a second and be attracted to a cute boy just for even for a second. Mm. Anyway, and Juan was like, wow, I've seen that in you for a while and thank God you're seeing this. And when I came, um, you know, the next day I was asking the translator, is Hari even a name? And, and an Egyptian word. And he goes, well, Ri is the ray of Ra and Ha is either Hathor or Horus. So in essence, it's like the priestesses of Hathor or Horus could be given this name. And I realized that 10, 12 years ago, I had created my own yoga system called Ra Yoga, which was integration through the sun. And every temple we were going to, 14 temples in two weeks, we were seeing, you know, Ra Ra everywhere, <laughs> Ra Ra. And it was like, there, you know, and I asked all these questions. Okay, let's, you might call me crazy, but let's say I was here. What have I visited this one temple before? He's like, and, you know, I believe I might have been married to this pharaoh, and I could have been one of many wives, but I was probably a high-up wife. And I committed adult pictures of ancient Egyptians doing backbends and 
some knowledge about chakras. And I was really praying to Horace to like scrape that, that adulterer ego out of my spine and to remove that. And when I came home, I went into my office and I had forgotten that a six foot like big um, painting that I had commissioned my friend John Morrow to do was, was of Horace and the winged, you know, the winged golden horse. And I was like, okay, (laughs) so it's amazing. And sounds far out there, but how we can be, you know, just doing something minor and, and I don't know how we can have these past life experiences. And I have no ego about having, um, possibly, you know, been able to have studied as a priestess, how, who knows how long ago it's, it's, I'm not embarrassed, but I can see why I keep falling and I keep Mm. not becoming illuminated, um, because of adultery. And in, in Egypt, they have these temples of these, it's called the Valley of the Sphinx is my last little piece of it. And every time someone gets enlightened, they put a new Sphinx up and there's about 2000 of them. So all of our option is to awaken is to enlighten is to become enlightened. And we tend to think certain virtues are going to help us be enlightened, like compassion, while for instance, lust is fine. And so, you know, I've been studying for many years, death of the ego, spiritual rebirth, and serving God before myself. And anyway, it was one of the biggest piece of chapters of my life. Wow. Um, <laughs> there's so many really fascinating things. The, the most fascinating to me and the, most, the thing I resonate so, I relate to so clearly is what you're sharing about what I kind of call the self-saboteur. Mm-hmm. What many people call that. And I guess essentially is, is that part of our... Uh, if you want to call it egoic personality complex that springs up, you know, and interrupts the growth or evolutionary process and, and kind of tries to interrupt the pattern of, of uh, transformation. You know, a lot of people I find will t- tell me, you know, it's like, oh, it just feels so difficult. Like I make I take one step forward or two steps forward, but then I get pulled back by my habits or, or whatever and I love what you're sharing because it gives a little bit of a more depth to that, you know, that there are potentially, you know, we potentially lived multiple, multiple lives and there's still work to be done. There's a clearing house that we're still going through karmically. And I had a similar experience and I won't go into the whole experience, but we could spend the whole, we could spend the whole, you know, we could spend this whole time talking about, about Egypt. Um, in ancient Egypt. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I did, but you know, there were like Luxor, the temple of Luxor mm-hmm. was one where I went there at night with the group and I actually felt this energy start to come into me and it felt like almost like a dark energy like it just started to come into me and started to pull me away from the group Mm. and to this more solitude space um, within the temple and it was like energy channeling through me and I had to actually I had to actually kind of like do a little bit of inner battle with myself and 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 breath work and really deal with it and I left that experience very exhausted very perplexed however the next day when I was able to talk to Reverend Beckwith and a few people about the experience, I, I found like, you know, I, I don't know how to explain it. And it's it's hard to necessarily bridge from that. But I just want to share that that um, I could feel that internal struggle, you know, from from the self, the, the more dominant self that is very clear, that is spiritually sober. And then that mm-hmm. other self that is a little more intoxicated by the world and by the short-term immediate gratifications of the world and some of those habits that we we still entertain that you know are kind of holding us back from our greatest growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way that I've learned, um, I've been studying with this in this incredible system for eight years, and um, I've really learned. Well, the Buddhists say we have eighty-four thousand egos, so we have um, huh. eighty-four thousand aspects, detrimental aspects of our psyche. There's obviously the the major kind of hedges of the legions, which is clear. It's anger, it's pride, it's it's lust, it's greed, it's um, you know, it's uh, what are some of the other ones? It's jealousy. So the really the seven deadly sins. Mm. But within each of those, there's forty-nine layers and levels. So it could be. It could be the unworthiness, the fear, the anxiety, the scarcity, that all of them, the inferior, like I'm not enough. And it's we're constantly, 
in this battle, like to, you're a martial artist and the, um, the psychological gymnasium that we are in to mm. awaken is not to just be like, it's all good. It's all God. But instead to be a hunter and yes. to examine, to observe and to, and to, um, really sort of analyze. And when you can understand, when you can comprehend the depth of that destruction, the deformation, not just in this lifetime, but our other lifetimes, if you can really try to get down your, on your knees and go, okay, I see mm-hmm. the destruction and I, I get it. And when you're on your knees, like to the mother and the father, <laughs> they can come in and really extract, extract those. And, um, you know, we have 33 temples in our spine. And so our, our job, you know, we can be doing many things and look to get sort of, I don't know, make millions of dollars or, um, or get an Oscar, or I don't know, whatever it is for someone, buy a boat. Um, but for me, like <laughs> enlightenment and to clear all that grossness out of me eventually is actually something I'm very, very passionate about. So comprehending, and we want to not look for the light. We actually want to not learn from the dark, but really hunt it out. And I'm just kind of recapping it and then pray. (laughs) And then from that Mm. place, it's amazing that the ego actually can start to defragment. And I have to say that Mm. from now to eight years ago, I've definitely killed a few thousand egos and it feels pretty good. (laughs) But 84,000, I have a lot to go, but it's, (laughs) it's like, I can feel I'm a different person. Like the connection that I have now and the level of intuition and the overall happiness and the overall, you know, putting my feet behind my head didn't do it. Having sort of global successes didn't do it. But there is, when we're working internally, there is, t- like, pain is inevitable, but suffering is not. And there really are fruits of, of doing this work. So when you go, oh, I don't want to do that, that just sounds gross. But when you clear some of that junk out of the way, there's room for all this like love. <laughs> and, um, it's pretty incredible. Wow. So I feel like you're explaining my entire life. Uh-huh. Um, it, <clears throat> something came up for me about, about all this. And I just feel like it's such a, it's such, a, I'm glad you went here because it's such a powerful avenue for everybody to understand, especially as it relates to the health and healing process. You know, one of the things I really talk about is the psychology of detoxification And helping people to understand because people get wrapped up so often in the physical symptomology and the headaches and the 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 Hertzheimer's syndrome, the shock syndrome when they're coming to terms with their own toxicity. Mm-hmm. And they they have to you know they go through this phase. It's almost like a grieving process where when they're really committed to cleansing and clearing out the the self inflicted um, burden of you know let's call it the standard American diet. There's a mm-hmm. lot of emotional and psychological toxicity that is built up in the body and the nervous system, and it all has to come to the surface. So I feel like such a great. Um, alternative perspective is really what you're sharing, at least for me. And I think for the type of audience that is going to be listening to this, they're the type of people that really get this and are actually the type of people that really crave this kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, to understand that, like, everything that we do for our health is actually part of our our holistic transformation it's not just about vanity it's not just about your your transforming your body or whatever although those are all amazing um byproducts it's really about transforming you as a as a being mm-hmm. yeah it's it's um it's a it is a really good start to look at like for me when you get on a yoga mat and you just can consider what you're eating Eating, how it's affecting what you're drinking, what you're smoking, how does it feel in your body when you get on the mat? So everyone is at a different place, and you never want to, you know. There's, we always want to begin new again, and there hopefully is new people and probably a mature or audience here as well. But, um, you know, to become to have that childlike mind and to keep going back to zero is helpful. Like, okay, I didn't feel good when I ate those French fries, um, but there is something of like. I always like to just ask the question, is the real problem the French fries or is it who who chose to eat the French fries? Hmm. So I ask the question, 
who, who was that? And it's usually like, is it gluttony? Is it anxiety? Is it so-and-so got elected and I'm feeling stressed? Like we have all these other reasons and that's the re that's the next level to any sort of spiritual transformation is food will get us so far. I know a lot of incredible live food, vegan chefs that are not necessarily haven't begin to look there and they're still suffering a lot. Mm. So I would invite new and advanced to say, you know, well, Jesus, the master, and there's many masters and many Christ. I don't mean to make this Christian, but, um, you know, I'm a Jesus loving Hindu Muslim, but basically he said what the real problem wasn't what went into our mouth, but what comes out of it. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't, we should know as much about health as we possibly can and do as good of a job for our body, our living temple as we can to live and breathe and to eat and exercise as a, as this is the only body we are going to get. And this is the place that we get to grow in and as, and hopefully self-realize in and, you know, go to next steps. But, um, if you're eating sprouts all day long and you're thinking jealous thoughts of somebody or you're angry at somebody else or you're feeling greedy, you know, those are definitely that that's, you'd also want to consider those psychological, um, implements, or I don't know if that's the right word, but Mm -hmm. imprints, because what I understand of dis-ease or disease is that everything really starts in the spiritual and then manifests psychologically and then physically. And however healthy we are, we've inherited every life until we get enlightened. It's our karmic duty to battle that inner battle inside. And so, you know, the Buddhas, the Christ that do that in this, in a lifetime is they're, they're there for a reason to inspire us. And when we become Christ, when we crystallize, that's when we will be able to, for instance, like literally pray to the rain and it rains or to be able to speak to the elements and the wind and the fire. There's so much more to astral travel. There's so much more that we have forgotten we are actually capable of, but because we are so Tox, you know, toxins is one piece, and it's not just physical, but also mental and spiritual. That we're just moving through the day, and you know, our goals are we're we're looking to lose ten pounds, twenty pounds, when we could be looking to get enlightened, mm. and obviously, we're going to ha- you know be our ideal weight at that point. So, if you go further, you're going to have all the benefits. But if you just focus on the vanity or like getting the ripped abs. That's not, you know, you might still be suffering at the end of the day when you get the ripped abs. <laughs> you might be like, oh, but why am I yeah. still angry? Why am I cursing all, all the time? So, yeah. Yeah. In other words, enlightenment has a lot to do with lightening up and lightening up on all levels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like the word lightning. Yeah. Um, I just had Dona Maria here, who is the high, highest double high priestess from the Caro tribe, which she's a descendant of the Incan, and she was struck by lightning twice. And Incans use the lightning bolt as it's the that ray of light, the yeah, to truly electrify. Not, I mean, food carries light, so obviously that's part of it. Thought carries light. Um, consciousness carries light. So yeah, we do want to get rid of, are we children of the light or are we children of the dark? And it's a choice and not just any day, every day, but any, every second. Yes. So moment, <laughs> moment by moment, like your, your life is an unfolding, uh, experience moment by moment. The decisions we make every single moment, a lot of people feel like, Oh, I've, I've made the shift. Therefore my life is, it's, it's uh, smooth sailing from here. It's like, no, like every single moment is sacred and you have to make that choice every single day, you know, just from the food level, like it, it, you know, the cravings will come back and things will come back. I deal with it all the time, you know, and I, I always have to make that choice. And a lot of it's from the food craving level, because for me, I'm in a place where I do a lot of fasting, especially throughout the day. So stuff comes up and it's like old, it's old thought patterns and stuff that would lead me to making a less empowered choice. And I have to deal with that. And I have to choose moment by moment to choose a higher, a higher option at any given moment, wherever I'm at. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you're, that's awesome. Congratulations. That's all I can say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just, I only say that just as a, as a 
um, a relatable reference for everybody mm-hmm. out there, you know, mm-hmm. to know that we all are going through our process and just to make a better choice in any moment. And I still eat French fries just for all of you out there too. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. And I feel awful. I'm like, how do people do this? Oh my God, what are you thinking? I, you know, it's, it's, a uh, it's definitely, um, to treat our bodies, actually Guru Mai, who I almost could, you know, she's a guru, but she just says, you know, anything you wouldn't do in a temple, you probably should not do. Not, mm. She didn't say it like that. She said it must, much more divinely. But, um, yeah, I, I don't feel good about those choices. But one thing um, I sort of wanted to share with you a little meditation that I do just because if I was just speaking to mm. you and pretending it's you since you've come so far with where you are at with your eating habits. So it sounds like that's not at all anything that you need help with. But um, can I share with you like a quick five minute? It, Absol- it, it absolutely. Actually, it's actually something that I try to do for an hour a day and it's, it's, it's pretty life changing, but I won't share it for an hour. Um, <laughs> there's, there's many, there's so, you know, we want to, the yogi. So I guess I would just say to what you just said, the yoga person is first going from the gross and then looking for the, the, what's the opposite of gross? I forget the word. Uh, (laughs) I would call it clean or something around. Oh, I don't mean the gross, like the, basically the macro to the micro, like the larger to the very Mm -hmm. intricate, whatever the opposite word was. I had a brain block, but so there's 72,000 channels, right? So we're looking first, that's where you start. And that's a, a beautiful thing, you know, look to breathe, get on your mat, exercise, eat clean food. Um, for me, I wanted to take it to the next level, especially because a lot of my yoga teachers who were so brilliant and could wrap themselves into like pretzels, uh, didn't necessarily had, didn't have a lot to offer me in the realm of astral travel and telekinesis and (laughs) stuff like that. So I've been studying more, some esoteric, just inner practices. And yeah, so this is one of the things we do. This is baby, baby one Oh one. There's much more. But so there's three altars in the body. The sexual altar is the most important one, I would say. Uh, you can just look around the world and see how potent and important sexuality is. Um, but we're usually oozing and losing that energy all the time. So you want to contr- – there's three altars, the sexual altar, the altar of the heart, and the altar of the mind. So if you contract the perineum, and we were talking about Egypt, you want to visualize like an ankh up through the, the core of the body all the way up through the crown of the head and into the heart. And so you, it's a, it's called, yes. So you contract your perineum. It's a kegel and you bring the breath all the way up to the crown of the head and you can bring the chin down towards the heart. I also like to bring the tongue to the palate. And then as I exhale, I bring that breath into my heart and you actually repeat that nine times, even one breath. Like when you actually do it, it feels really good in a way. Someone recently said like, that's just as great as an orgasm. But the, the trick is that the solution is the difference is the energy is up. The, we're supposed to bring our energy up rather than lose it. Mm-hmm. So we'll do one more where we're letting that breath feed and fill our organ system, our kidneys, our lungs, our heart, our throat, our brain. And then we bring it into the heart. You're planting this love into the heart. So mm-hmm. basically, whether you're together like w- with your husband or wife or, or your partner or you're by yourself, you do that nine times and then you sit and you visualize yourself in a body of water, maybe a river or a lake, an ocean, and whatever two egos, the negative attributes of your psyche that you see, you just pray like, thank you, mother. I I often just say, mother, thank you, mother, for showing me, for helping me to remove any shadow seeds or roots of those egos. So maybe I'm dealing with gluttony or unworthiness. Mm. Um, and thank you for helping me to remove any shadow seeds or roots of that, of those egos. And I really try to understand them. When did it begin? Where did I learn it? Um, how much damage has it done? How many more areas is it sabotaging my life? And so I really try to understand it. When I spend enough time there, then I visualize a temple of fire. And I'm, you know, literally like, thank you for helping me to remove any shadow seeds or roots of those two egos. So if I'm dealing with gluttony and unworthiness in that moment, I'm still working on that. And I'm just like giving it all. I don't need to hold on to it. I'm letting the mother where the mother is, the father is also, I'm letting them help me and I'm asking for help. And then I go back to nine more Christic breaths, or you could call it Egyptian breaths or light filled breaths. 
and then I'm done. And it feels really, it's a beautiful way to meditate, but also to hunt out um, that which you observe. And throughout the day in your waking life, you can, when you notice something like I'm right now, my current thing is I'm still working on a lot of pride and still there's always, I just have a lot of karmas of lust, but pride and anger. So, and I write it down. Like when I see it, um, when I see the thought of it, it's one thing, but when I see it express itself, it's always, I usually have to rectify and, you know, apologize. So that's much more work. So I try to just like see it and write it down. And then if I notice a pattern, I might go through a period of time where like, I'm working on those two egos. That's like, what's exciting for me these days. It's like, oh yeah, working on my pride and my love. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I hope you like that. I hope everyone yes. does that, even if it's 10 minutes, but you could do it for an hour. I, I really recommend everyone that just heard that to rewind that, or, or obviously I recommend that you, you download this episode and listen to it as much as you can. But that piece right there is, is super practical, and it's super powerful if you make a practice out of it. Um, I certainly I certainly do that kind of thing as it as my awareness is put on it so you mentioning that right there for me personally it it brings me back on point right there it reminds me like oh that's right okay you know uh put that back into practice even for five minutes like okay if if i feel like out of alignment or i'm i'm entertaining too much any of these um these uh you know tendencies uh then i can i i have a tool that I can bring myself back into alignment. Yeah. And the main, I just want to also the meditation on that, which is making us sick is important. Um, so that those get removed out of our psyche. It's like a virus, but also the sublimation breath, it, it helps awaken the Kundalini, but also the Shashumna, which is the ray of light that will eventually rise up to the spinal column. And every single one of our vertebrae is a temple And it's seen as like the masters, if we're not alone, the masters look upon us and say, not that we're double black belts or, you know, she can stand on her head. It's that she's the master of a second degree or third degree or 15th degree. However much you've really arose to a different temple in your spine, your spinal column, your vertebrae, Mm -hmm. and no amount of, if we're not really practicing virtue or psychoanalysis or sublimation, it's really, truly hard to awaken the Kundalini, you know, meditating on chakras and kind of talking about it, awakening, um, you know, and I know from experience, I had my, the whole entire Rayoka system is, is designed to sort of looking at the chakras and kind of awaken them through color and mantras and practice and, you know, poses for them. And I think that it, it's a really good practice. And I love that I, that it got downloaded through me, but without that piece that I just kind of shared, it's, it's, it's more like pink spirituality (laughs) and um, to really watch the shift in my consciousness and to, you know, I'm grateful I was raised by hippies, really. I mean, I learned a lot from my mother, but to be taking it to this this next step of refinement and to feel truly like I'm using that, that incredible sexual energy, but for the light and I'm, and I am, I'm just doing my inner work every day. It's, it's very rewarding. So Mm -hmm. I highly, I invite us all to keep, continue to investigate some of these pathways. Mm, Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And I want to pivot and take it a little bit back. So, okay. um, So, well, just, just what I'm getting at is I want for the audience to be able to see kind of a little glimpse of the evolution that you're speaking from by just, you know, sharing with us a little bit about your journey, how you found your path purpose and the career that you enjoy. Yeah. So, um, I, I love I love the alchemist quote Paulo that basically if we if we don't follow our heart we our heart stops talking so mm. by heart and by passion I think my first script was about acting and I got I was in many plays I did my first movie at 17 with Woody Harrelson and and Milos Forman and when I moved to LA I um I really found yoga to ground me in the midst of the chaos and spirituality is as funny and hokey dokey and like over the moon, like a, like this hippie kid. I must sound right now. I truly, I promise, 
I was I was voted best dressed. I was actually super uptight. I ate a lot of sushi and wore a lot of polos and only dated like the football player boys. Mm. And so my mom would um, go, why is his hair so short? So I was actually like, not, oh my God, all that like spiritual stuff. My parents would, you know, probably offered me a joint at 13 and I'd threatened to call the police on them. Wow. So, <laughs> so it was, it was, it was definitely not traditional. And for some traditional, I think there's definitely at this day and age, a lot of people who were raised by hippies. But what I will say is that my heart was in survival mode and very closed for many years. Um, no, we knew a lot, but there was a disconnect in the heart. And my mom is a master knowing sort of every plant and by its Latin name, but there wasn't, she wasn't necessarily a yogi. Okay. I moved to Hawaii. I studied with my godmother who's an Ayurvedic doctor. And again, I mean, I was a cheerleader. I, I tried to be as preppy as I could. I didn't, I was, when I look back, but I also could like drink any guy under the table. I kind of, I went all over the place, but when I got into yoga, I, I really was like, God, I'm really depressed. I would go there with like a sweat, a hoodie and wearing all black, trying to disappear in the class, you know, and just would cry. And I, I didn't realize why there was so much sadness and pain in my little body. And I, you know, the years of smoking and drinking coffee and, kind of just destructing, always being on a diet, like for the, mo I, I modeled and acted. And, um, eventually the yoga really, it started to win. And I kind of left my modeling career and sort of auditioning for in, you'd have to audition and like stand in front of a room full of people in your bathing suit. And it just felt really, it, it just was hard for me. I, I didn't, I hadn't reached a place of self-acceptance yet. So I wasn't ready for that. So when I started doing yoga, I folded blankets at the yoga studio. I cleaned the toilets. I want. I knew that there was something there, and I just when my teacher Chuck Miller, who founded Yoga Works, was like, "What are you here to do?" I looked at him and I was like, "I I want to learn to love myself, so that I can teach others how to do the same." And eventually, the yoga started working. I started getting more movie roles um, and and commercials, and I also got asked to do yoga videos and. The first 10 people that asked me to do yoga videos, I kept being like, no, 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 I'm, I'm just a student. I did take teacher training. Um, I started to teach privates. A lot of them were celeb ended up being celebrities. I don't know how that happened, but I didn't see myself as a teacher. I definitely didn't set off to be like, but in, in essence, I knew that yoga had given me something that was so incredible that I, I had to say yes to should I like wait till my phone? <laughs> Sorry. Fine. I had to basically one second. <laughs> Sorry. I really should have done that before. Oh no, it's ringing everywhere. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I basically, it's going to stop in a second, but there's phones all over my house, I guess. Cause I unplugged one. You're in high demand. No, it's just, should I unplug that one? I think it'll stop. But okay, so where should I start again? Uh, just from where you left off, it's perfect. Okay, so um, yeah, I, I really realized that yoga had given me so much in my life. It was starting to just make me crack open emotionally and feel things that I had stuffed down for a lot of years. In fact, I think everyone has that experience when they get into yoga, but I was in some pigeon pose, very cliche, and I started sobbing, and I just realized how much truth I and heal. Um, but you know, yoga, I ended up be give, get it, given a job and I said yes to videos and I ended up saying yes to this global Adidas contract. And I traveled to 35 countries in three years. And by that point I had Jade, my daughter who was born underwater. Um, you know, I, I <laughs> her dad ended up not being exactly who he said he, I clearly that shows my consciousness because he was an Italian count and he was very handsome and charismatic, but he wasn't the most honest. So, 
Um, amongst all of the other things, I've been through years of going through a custody battle and proving I was a fit mother, and I am finally have been awarded that and will be getting full custody of Jade. Um, so I've just been through a lot, and I guess to... I guess to reiterate why it was really eight years ago when Adidas kind of offered me to stay in, but at a pay cut. And I went to India to meditate on what I should do because it was still a decent amount of money. And, um, you know, a lot of people should be grateful to be even offered to continue. And I just was in these temples of Kajarahu studying sexual magic and realizing the karmas I had, a lot of jobs I had done in modeling or acting. I was very much, I think, a little bit objectified for my sexuality, granted partly because of my own comfort in my nude body, like running around on, you know, in, on the ocean nude my life, my whole life. But I could see that there were karmas to that and that there were people that it meant, you know, there was probably a lot of people that, put didn't see that the way I did and so anyway I realized that I would I needed to follow the truth and we were at a very emergency urgent moment in on the planet and that kind of selling clothes for instance as fun of a journey as that was wasn't necessarily what I needed to walk people towards and I started having these very vivid dreams where I was running towards these crystals and all these people were following me so I slowly kind of was reassessing what I was here to do and the book the 21 day superstar cleanse came out of me realizing there was a ton of yoga teachers I was grateful that in some ways I had helped pave that way um but that if I was going to do one thing that food was going to be more beneficial for the sustenance of the planet that we did need to learn alternatives to eating so high up on high up on the food chain and the climate change and global warming. And so for the last nine years, I've had a lot of awakenings. One was my environmental awakening. Uh, You know, it started, but recently I did a Ford campaign and I was taken to the, I was, I was painted to be camouflaged like a tree. And I was after, which I thought was great. I got to be mother earth in a way for a day. And then I was taken to the lakes and they were truly empty. The lakes and the rivers were truly empty. And soon after that, I took a soil class and I learned that if 10% of the population does regenerative agriculture, we could sequester enough carbon to keep our oceans from turning to acid. And then come to now, I have a beehive, I have a worm bin, I have a compost, I have a fully edible garden, I'm off sprinkler systems, I'm on to drip systems, and I'm really happy with my life. And all of my dreams have come true in a way. I mean, they're beginning. We just bought our two acres of land in the islands. And um, for the last eight years, I was seeing my levels of inauthenticities. And even though I was a teacher, I was out of alignment in different areas. And even though I'm not perfect now, I am ready to teach again. And I feel like I've finally have a teacher that, you know, wasn't just about like, can I do another handstand? And not that anyone was out, was about that out in front, but it's been really, really refreshing to see all the chaos that I created, whether it was tax audits or, you know, the the custody battle, just a lot of chaos. So I had Mm -hmm. to clean all that up and, um, through, what I study now is death of the ego. Well, the jewels of the system I study is death of the ego, spiritual rebirth, which has to do with sexual magic, and then serving God before ourselves. So I'm in a this practice of consistent serving, and I love it, and I'm very happy. <laughs> so that's my journey. That's my long journey. I'm sure there's much more I can say, but I'll breathe and stop for now. <laughs> yeah, and what an amazing journey. Uh, there's a lot of inspirational nuggets there, and... I think the the takeaway that I kind of want to extract and and reprint for people listening and for myself too cuz I get caught up in in comparisons and stuff too. I'm I'm human and what I what I got out of that is that you know, what you're sharing, your journey where it's led you, some people might think like, oh, well, you know, that might be easier for you because you've had this quote unquote success or whatever. But the reality is that anything that we create in our life is done step by step, right? So it's important for everyone to know that um, if you just take the steps of 
I like the word authenticity that you used, and you keep you know pursuing your personal legend, as Paulo Coelho in that book, The Alchemist, yeah. talks about pursuing your personal legend, pursuing your destiny, essentially, which is just walking an authentic path. Miracles will happen for you that you couldn't even predict. So you don't even necessarily need to know how it's going to happen. You just have to follow one cacao bean at a time. And by the way, I can't, I can't even believe I went to the whole story forgetting who I was talking to. I mean, my major life shift, you know, into yoga and everything else did happen when I became a live foodist. And mm-hmm. I went from kind of in that, in that whole journey that I mentioned, I've been through every diet you can imagine, whether it was coffee and cigarettes or the protein diet, because some trainer told me I should do it. Um, <laughs> and, or the macrobiotic diet and, you know, the self-healing cookbook and, you know, I, I have to say once again, Woody inspired some incredible chocolate birthday cake at his house. And mm. soon after I wanted to be able to eat my cake and have it too at a birthday party. So I had Giuliano come over and soon after he became my roommate and as crazy as that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so if those of you don't know, um, Giuliano lived on my porch for a year and caught rainwater and made me wow. food, and that was amazing. And I think before that, as amazing as I'm saying, I, I can tell you the successes, but I had a, definitely a year where, like, or a couple, many years where I struggled to get a job, where I felt I couldn't find my ideal weight. You know, my skin was not great. I looked older than I was by far until you know when I and when I really finally dove into live foods, I watched my flexibility really, really happen. I watched my whole body sort of unfold, my skin to get clear, my consciousness open up. I'm, I'm on the face of um, David Wolf's Eating for Beauty. I met him yes. at that time. I met the, Jace, I met the Saffron kid, um, Jeremy Saffron. I met, mm-hmm. you know, all of those people would be at our house in and out. Of course, he'd be listening to Metallica and doing other stuff in his room. But it was a good, it was, and my mom is, that's how I, she got into live foods because of me. She wrote Rossum inspired by me. She always jokes that she thought I was on some other model diet and then realized it was really incredible. And I watched her get younger and younger. Each time I would fly into Colorado, I'd be like, wow, like, it's really amazing to watch someone who's more a little more mature <laughs> to get younger each time you see them. And I can see how that happened with me too. And I, why I wrote 21 Day Superstar Cleanse is um, is because I want it to be accept, you know, acceptable for someone to not be 100% the live foodist all the time, but to you know keep taking that step back. It's like you might fall, but how do we pick ourselves up when we fall? And I heard you did that quote to Layla. Why do we fall? We pick our, to pick ourselves up. So mm-hmm. that journey is, I think, in respects to my very big and sometimes chaotic process that I've been in. And every time it brings me back to my my best version of myself. And so I I'm absolutely want to praise the the leaders in the plant-based live food world. And I think that it's, you know, there's more and it's a really, really powerful healing modality. And I'm so, so grateful that there are these food surgeon scientists that are cutting edge nutritionists. And I, I, I still, once a month, I have this woman, um, Lisa, Lisa Carlson, who you might know, and she delivers me this reboot package and I have a savory, a a water and a sweet. And it's just, it's so, it's so incredible to thrive and to be able to eat at the same time. And to know that, you know, our beauty food is, a chocolate shake with hot hoshu wu and ashwagandha and diamond powder and, you know, chaga mm. mushrooms and to be able to have a green pattern water with cactus. Anyway, so yes. I love to share the beauty and indulgence really does coexist. And when we can move into that, then we're having fun and we get to eat our cake and have it too. <laughs> you just, you just hit something, which is a perfect way that I wanted to segue. And I, I actually like, before I do that, I just want to point out that, Health is actually fun, right? Like if you're not having fun and you're just like in agony and guilt and shame about your diet and you're depriving yourself, like that's not necessarily healthy. Like you actually want to be enthusiastic about it. And um, the question I wanted to ask you, I'm about to ask you, um, relating to what you just said, the fact that your face is the face on the cover of one of the most famous nutrition books out there, Eating for Beauty by David Wolf. And 
I want to know what what's your perspective on increasing beautiful qualities that are really associated with a radiant, vibrant health? You know, what are some of the most important beauty tips that you could give to maybe both women and men listening? Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like I'm speaking so much to the conver- you know, the, the choir, so I don't want to say all the Not necessarily, difference. not necessarily. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I definitely think what you just said that we have to, whatever we focus on expands. So if we are, I don't care what it is, if you're drinking wheatgrass, but you're regretting it, I just don't, I think it's hard for it to be a beautifying food for you. In fact, I, I gave up wheatgrass years ago. Like I was, you know, sick from a trip in Brazil and I just, granted, a lot of it can have mold on it. It's one thing if you can get fresh wheatgrass, but barley grass, I, I prefer. So one one of my rules is if I don't really love it, if I don't enjoy it, I you know I do enough good things for myself that I really try to stick with that. I also encourage us to, um, I, along with whatever we focus on, expands like finding the good, finding the beauty, and you know once we've it's like once we've gotten rid of that darkness that we started our call with, it's like you're removing the. Um, you, know, you walk into a house and you you don't see the beauty of the hallway because there's a bunch of magazines there. So we got rid of the magazines and now you want to love up. So your thoughts, your practices are like, you know, wiping your hallway with essential oils and um, drinking. I, I, I take and ingest essential oils and I don't mean to be all over the place, but those are anything that's going to get rid of the bacteria and the microbes that t- tend to build up is something that I could go back into, but I do want to go back just for a second and say, when you look in the mirror and you love your eyes or you love your hair or you love your, um, hands or your feet, and maybe there's something you don't love about yourself, but I would say when you're expanding your beauty, don't focus on that. Like if you're getting dressed, get dressed to bless yourself, get dressed to impress and to adorn and see yourself as a, as a being of light and, um, to focus, you know, if you love your eyes, maybe, I don't know if you would tell a man to put on some eyeliner, but it's like, maybe have some cool shades. It's like frame that enhance Mm. that. And if you quantify the value of yourself, I, I used to like to say in my times of feeling unworthy, like, okay, but would I sell my head for a million dollars? No, my feet? No. Like, and I'd realize I was worth a billion dollars. I would like go through my whole system and I'd be like, my fingertip? No. So I would walk into a room and I would just have this in my heart. I'd be like, I am, you know, I'm worth a billion dollars. And you could, if money doesn't sound beautiful to you, it's like, what are you worth? Like, it's like, I'm worth a billion flowers. I don't know. But to really embrace and celebrate that, I think it's, it does really start with a thought. If you want to know your past, look at your face. If you want to know your future, look at your thoughts. So I think that thoughts is number one. And number two, when you're, how you start your day will have an effect on the rest of your day. So if you start your day with coffee, it's not just like a rude wake up for your system, but it, I mean, when I drink coffee, I just get so jacked up that I want like, um, you know, I want like a croissant. So (laughs) I really want to encourage people to, you know, I drink yerba mate. I know that could be, people say different things about that, but even if I drink like a good chai or water and lemon or just lemon juice is really the best days that I have when I drink lemon juice. And then I have you know, a smoothie or green pattern water. It's like the whole day is set up for success. Um, I think the first thing, and I also want to, so there were sort of three tips. The fourth tip is just saying thank you a lot. Like Mm. first thing you do in the morning, say thank you. Every time you eat, say thank you. Focus on whatever you're doing, whatever you're putting in your mouth. And we should look at what we're putting in our mouth as important as who we would kiss. Like not only is it, a kiss is important, but when we put something to our mouth, it's going to stay with us for the next week, you know, for sure. So you have to be a little bit of a snob. Like I'm, if I'm going to eat it, if it's the eating the best quality foods we can find as well as the most beautiful colors. So I, I, all of the colors of the rainbow, each one has a different vitamin, nutrient, bioflavonoid, mineral. So you want a full spectrum And then my favorite beauty rituals, the things that I truly cannot live without for me is I like to bathe clean. That's a Korean option. You always go into a bath clean and you bathe. Sometimes I put flowers in there, but I love to put essential oils 
And often for me, I need to ground or relax. So I might use vetiver or frankincense or sandalwood. Um, I feel like I need one right now. I'm feeling a little excited. But then things that are energizing that would be like anti-cellulite would be things like orange or lemon, but you might feel a lot of circulation happening in your thighs. And then I like to always massage myself in, it's called Ayurveda, where it's called Abhyanga. And you can take some coconut oil and add a few drops of oils and massage your limbs, massage your kidneys, massage around your lymph nodes and your breasts. And obviously you want to use oils that are 100% plants so you're not ingesting you know chemicals into your skin um, but using oils they're going to help remove bacteria as well on the skin they're going to be absorbed into our lipo skin and you know there's many more other things but those are things that basically I have to, it's it starts with the thought and it ends with the action of I love myself so much so I'm going to mm-hmm. um, adorn myself with plants with colors with food that's healing and um you know even maybe add some to the tips of your hair but see every millimeter like if you were a painter you wouldn't just leave you know the edges white necessarily it's like when we're masters of self-love we are focused on our baby pinky toe and our the roots of the tips of our head our, our hair you know from inch to your from the head to your toe, you're living in all of it. You don't just live in your face and kind of put on a shirt and forget about the rest. It's like you want to start with the feet and get all the way to the top. So, mm. what, what kind of uh, oils do you recommend? Is there a particular brand that you like? Well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a wellness consultant for doTERRA, and I, I grew up with oils. I always used oils. My godmother had oil company. I never found a company that I was so resonant with that I had to get regularly and that I trusted taking internally. And so not only did, well, one, the biggest thing is they give 20,000 indigenous people jobs Mm. and the oils are CTPG. So they're certified therapeutic grade. And first you should know to smell them aromatically, to use them topically. And then thirdly, under advisement, you can take them internally, but truly that needs to be very mindfully done. And, um, but they also have laundry detergent, all purpose cleaner, toothpaste, probiotics, enzymes. So I'm truly in love with this company and I, I love that it supports so many people. So I've been, you know, my daughter and we also get it, you know, when you get a wholesale account, which is available to everyone, you get 55% off. So instead of like, having that bottle from Whole Foods that was cut with solvents and alcohol. It's a pure plant. It's pure lavender and it's only $20 and I can put a drop in my orange patterned water and I can feel it working on my microbes. So um, anyway, I'm really in love with the idea of having a plant that's potent enough that it it, it basically essential oils have terpenes in them, which are the, the immune system of the plant and our bodies receive them mm-hmm. as harmoniously as nature because we are like them, unlike chemicals. So anyway, I, I've never gotten involved with a company like this that I haven't been a spokesperson for, which, well, why Monte are my buds, even though I used to be connected to the company. So, but I still really love that tea because it gets people off coffee. I know people, you know, but anyway, I love doTERRA. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, we should all help support the indigenous people and create an economic model for our planet to give back to the earth. And if you need help with what oils to take specifically, um, I do wellness consultations and that's one of the things that's opened my heart into giving. Sometimes I don't even think I have enough time and to do that and to realize I can actually help someone's life is pretty cool. And we're all like, um, either pitta, vata, or kapha, like fire, air, or earth. And so it's really best to use oils to work on our acute conditions, like maybe sleep deprivation, or I have anxiety, or I'm too hungry all the time, or I want to lose weight. So there's something for each individual person. So I like to help people get to the root of that and support them. Mm, Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up. And then people that are really interested in that and possibly working with you and also getting your 21 day cleanse and any of the other services or products that you've put your energy into providing for people. I imagine they could probably find your website. Yeah, my website. So I think I'm pretty easy to find. I mean, our email for the company is just info at rainbowmars.com. 
or you can, um, yeah, just get, find us at the website. I'm super like, I'm super available at sometimes it seems like on Instagram and Facebook, although those private message groups, I often cannot, I just don't barely can read those. So don't Mm. private message me, but reach, but find me and we will serve you. Like our intention is to just help support the planet one home at a time. And whether it's big or small, we in serving, I wanted to say this late earlier. And I feel like saying this when I was, this may might be what I get to end with is I was in um, India doing an enlightenment initiation. And I asked the Rinpoche, this was the first time that the Dalai Lama had done this and 10,000 monks came and I asked about the Bodhisattva philosophy. Um, does no one get enlightened until we all do? And he said, if you want to make a billion dollars, you can feed millions of people. This is very worthy. So we want to work on ourselves. Um, there's also an outward service that is part of the working on ourselves, but we work on ourselves so that we can also serve others. And mm. so um, giving is really the real receiving. And I'm so grateful to be able to serve and to have a team to support me. Mm, I'm so I'm so glad you brought that point up is that when you fill your own cup, it can floweth over into other people's reservoir. And that's such a that's just such a great point to kind of finalize this on for everyone is and for all of us really is to keep giving to ourselves, keep investing in ourselves because the better we are and the more uh, abundant we feel and realistically are and especially financially, emotionally, all of it. We have more to give, and that, I think, is really the point. Yay. (laughs) Hmm. Wow, this was so awesome. I'm so, so happy we were able to spend this hour together and share just your perspectives, your insight, and your wisdom with, with all of us. I'm super grateful. Oh, I'm so grateful. And, yeah, the Dalai Lama says to give until it hurts, and Mm. this doesn't feel like that, but... I am so grateful to be able to share and listen and, and have you not judged my, what did my husband say? If I talked about that Egyptian story, I would sound a little wacko, but, um, not you know, to us, not to I, me I, or this audience. I, I just think that life in this moment, there's never been a more urgent time for us to become transparent and to serve and to, mm. you know, it all comes back. And I love, I, I don't claim to really be at the end of my journey by any means. I feel like everything I say is with a small T, but to be on this with each other and for us to all walk towards our version of the truth, even if it changes, um, it's such an, it's such an honor. And so I'm so grateful to be part of this leading sort of evolutionary thought process that is for the awakening of mankind. Mm -hmm. So thank you for having me and for allowing Mm -hmm my perspective to be heard in this moment. So thank you. And what a perspective that uh, is just so beneficial and so needed in the world. So I really appreciate it. And for all of you listening, as always, I appreciate you and taking the time to make this investment into your own, your own growth, your own conscious expansion, your own, health, your beautification, you know, whatever strikes a chord with you, whatever you're working on in your life, I hope that this conversation really deposits something deep within you that's going to help you shift into the next breakthrough of your own evolution. And together, we can all really just be more of a beneficial presence on this planet. So thank you guys for tuning in. And until next time, This is Ronnie Landis signing out and with our amazing guest, Rainbow Mars.